Welcome to Inspiring Teachers. I'm your host, Kimberly Burkhart. I'm an educator and mindset and life coach with over 20 years experience in the field. If you want to reignite your passion for teaching, reignite your students' passion for learning, and create a classroom community where you and your students feel content and inspired, then this podcast is for you. Let's ditch those Sunday night blues for you and your students. Hello, teachers, and welcome to episode six of the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about workshops and using that method um, can also be called centers in math and ELA. And I know what you're thinking. Centers don't work. They're fluff work. Kids are not supervised. They're not really doing anything. It's just busy things and they're interrupting me and I'm dealing with behavior. I tried centers that way and workshops that way. And of course it failed, but there's a way to make it work. And I'm so excited to share with you how you can make this, take your classroom to a whole new level. You can have a substitute and the kids will, your classroom will run itself. The kids know exactly what they're doing. And you are going to maximize the learning time in your classroom and it's heavenly. Okay. So first of all, if you hear a fan running in the background, it is a balmy 70 degrees in upstate New York on this morning in October (laughs) is not supposed to be this hot. Um, The house is like 77 degrees right now. So, um, but it's going to cool down this weekend and we're supposed to have more fall like weather. I'm, I love summer and I love warm weather, but when it's fall, it needs to feel like fall. We just keep going back and forth. All right. So let's talk about workshops, math workshop and ELA workshop and using your block that way. So let me tell you what it looked like in my classroom. And I tried some different things. It all depended on the age of the kids and the help that I had and the schedule that we had and, you know, the behavior of the kids and the needs. So it was usually an hour to an hour and a half block. Um, My ELA was usually an hour and a half and my um, math was usually more like an hour just because of scheduling. There was a mini lesson to start. And actually sometimes the mini lesson had to be last because of the schedule. um, And it kind of kicked off our centers or our workshop for the next day. Um, I did three rotations a day. So it was either three 20 minutes or three 15 minutes. And it would take us two days to get through the whole cycle, which was pretty cool. And I'll explain that as well. Um, You are, or you could use, I also, depending on the class, there were some years where I had to do a checklist instead. Um, I had just different issues and different support Um, so I would use a checklist and the kids could work their way through the checklist in any order that they wanted, as long as they were responsible. So that takes a different kind of organization, a different kind of kiddos. Um, it all depends on your behavior and your class classroom atmosphere. And then I was meeting with the high needs kids every single day for math and ELA at my table. Um, and the lower needs, I was meeting with them about every other day. Um, and it was flexible where I could be like, Hey, you know, you guys are doing fine. I need to meet with this group. Again, um, so that's the beauty of the flexibility. But I'm going to tell you, before you can do this and before it can be successful, if you have not listened to my earlier episodes, you need to go back and listen to them. You need to listen to the first day of school and how you slowly build in some of these things and how you can start a classroom community. I know it's probably not the first day of school. You're you're listening to this mid-year or things have already started. You can start over. So listen to that one. The second one I did was about mindset and your mindset as a teacher. It is so easy to get into your own head about this stuff and give up. So work through that 
and keep working through that because your mindset is going to be a huge term determination of whether this is going to succeed in your classroom or not. Um, the third episode I did was, are you a manager or a leader? If you're going to be a manager, this will not work. You cannot micromanage your kids and let them learn how to be leaders and independent learners. You have to learn how to be a leader, how to be that guide on the side. And I did a whole episode about that. So make sure you check that out. Um, another one, uh, the last one, number five was, um, the toxic teacher culture. And that has a lot to do with this as well. You cannot have a trusting classroom where kids are going to go do what you expect them to, um, if you don't have a good relationship with your students. So that's another important one too. So if you have just skipped right to this episode, you can listen to this, but please go back and listen to the other ones because it's going to make it all work so much better. All right, so there's going to be some legwork to get this started, and I want to show you why this is beneficial and why it's worth it. Number one, the work you do now, you're going to save yourself so much work later. The, the planning and the prepping is so much easier because you have a system that works. You have materials that are ready to go. The kids know where they are. Um, it's the first year might be a little bit tough because, you know, you have to keep um, getting new things ready for your WordWork Center or for your hands-on math. But once you get through that first year, it's a lot easier because you have all those materials ready for the next year. Um, differentiation. This is how I was able to differentiate when I had sixth grade with kids who were reading at a second grade level all the way up to a 12th grade level. This is how I was able to pull it off when I had third graders who still couldn't count. And then I had third graders who were doing um, long division. So it allows you to differentiate. Your high performing kids are going to have things to keep them going and keep challenging them so they're not bored. Your on-level kids are going to be able to just plug away at the current content and get some spiral review on some things so that they don't lose hold of those. And then your struggling kids are going to get access to the new content while consistently be um, getting review and work and support in their gaps. And I will explain to you, probably not all in this one podcast, how this works out. Um, I'm going to do an ELA focus one and I'm going to do a math focus one. And if you are like, I'm all in, I have a course coming on these as well. So um, stay tuned for that. I'm busy. I'm a busy bee working on these things for all you guys. Okay. Movement. Having workshops lets the kids get up and move somewhere different every 15, 20 minutes. It's so good for them to just reset their brain and not fall asleep on you. Choice. Kids love choice. A lot of times there's um, certain places that I want them to go because I need them at my table strategically. Um, we're going to talk about that as well. Like um, I need to make sure I have like any kids are going to get pulled out for services. I need to make sure I get them at my table at a certain time before they're out of the room and I miss them. Um, so there's a schedule for my table and there's usually like a schedule for a table that has like a paraprofessional support. But other than that, they can usually choose unless it becomes a behavior issue and they love choice. Time management, it really helps them, you know, watch the timer. And I have 15 minutes to complete this job or I have 20 minutes and they can't keep working on it. When the timer goes off and it's time to switch, they're done. Like they can't keep working on it. And then they're going to have to work on that. Um, what my little nugget is, is I have steam time. Even in sixth grade, I had steam time and it was a chance for them. It was about 20, 30 minutes for them to build and create, it's kind of like indoor recess, but they had to be building something. And I had STEM bins and STEM projects 
If they weren't done with their work from their workshops, that's when they worked on that kind of stuff. Um, so they want to get that work done. And that solved my problem of having a basket full of work that kids didn't finish. It's easy for subs. Really, you just kind of like put this activity out, give the kids these instructions because this is what they're doing at the center today and put this up on the board and set a timer for them and the kids know what to do. It gives you flexibility. So there were times when the kids came in from recess and there was an issue. Oh my gosh, maybe every day. <laughs> so it's nice to be able to be like, okay, well, it's math workshop time. Everybody, you know, your schedule's up on the board or your instructions are on the board, however you're doing it. And the kids could just go get to work. And I could pull a kid out in the hallway or pull a kid over to my table and figure out what happened at recess and just deal with it right away. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. Like, or if you're just having a bad day, and you're like something happened, you're emotionally not able, but you're trying to be at school. I've had days like that too. Or to be like, guess what? You get the day off from my table today. Don't do that all the time. But it's nice that if you're not feeling well and you came in like when you were about dead because there's no subs and you're worried what would happen in your room without you, it's nice to know that your room can run itself. So if there's a day like that, or if you're short on help, you know, you could... You could cancel your table and you could support a different table. Um, it's less wasted time. The kids aren't just like watching the clock, waiting for the day to end because they know they have certain things to do. They know they only have a certain amount of time to do them. They're usually fun activities that the kids actually enjoy doing or things that they're trying to master, which I'll get into that as well. Um, there's different... Um, we had sprints that the kids were trying to master and, and, and work their way through. They were setting goals they were trying to meet. So there were, they were very focused and very goal-oriented while they were working. So there wasn't as much wasted time. You're always going to have somebody wasting time, but it was, it was a huge improvement. Um, it's strategic organization. It gives kids different modes of learning. So they can learn with hands-on, they can learn on technology, they can learn with paper and pencil, they can listen. There's all different ways. They can be with peers, they can be by themselves. It gives them all those different opportunities throughout the entire workshop block. Um, it allows you to meet with small groups and individual students. It helps the students to take ownership of their own work and their own day and their own schedule, which they're gonna need those skills. You know, we wonder why, why don't these kids, you know, these kids these days, why don't they have motivation? Why don't they have time management? Why can't they get their work done? Well, we're not letting them. We're micromanaging them. They need to practice those skills. It makes, it makes room for spiral review and missed skills. So you're not spending your entire math or ELA block on the new stuff. And it's like, well, where am I supposed to fit in all this review that they need? So what does it look like? Okay, so it can look differently, different subjects, different grade levels. But basically, this is what my blocks look like. So ELA, I had read to self, um, read to someone or buddy reading, pair reading, whatever you want to call it, um, listening to reading, word work, and writing. So they weren't always called those things, but those were the main, those were the main centers that they had to get to. Um, now you heard me say there's only three rotations, usually most days. So they didn't get through all of those in one day because they had to meet with me as well. It took them two days to get through everything. Um, and then math, um, they met with me. There was usually an at their seat task. So that was like a review, spiral review worksheet, something that I wanted them to do pretty much on their own. They were allowed to ask a friend if they were struggling with something before they came to me, but it was mostly an independent task. Technology. 
Um, so that was like boom cards or um, IXL or I'm trying to think what else I use. Lots of things. There's so many good maths, math things out there. Um, and that was set at either at their level for review so that they could work on things that um, I needed them to work on, or it was set for the standard that we were working on, the skill that we were working on at that time. Um, there was a hands-on math center where they were working with manipulatives or cards or um, read the room or puzzles, like something that they were actually like using their hands instead of just a paper and pencil activity. Um, and then there was a fluency center and that I will probably spend a lot of time on. And I'll be teaching about this um, in the teachers inspiring teachers Facebook group as well. So make sure you're there. Fluency saved my butt. Oh my goodness. You need to work it into your day. Start them at the basics, even if they know their facts, start them at the basics and take them through. So basically, I'm going to give this to you in a nutshell because this is a whole other thing. Um, the kids had two minutes on a sprint. The sprints were all color coded. They were in order of complexity and development. And I had sorters, like a wall of sorters. It took me a long time to collect them all. Anytime anybody was getting rid of them, even if they were crappy, I was like, oh, I'll take that. Um, and I had all the little drawers and everything. And sometimes I had to like, if you can't find that many, you can um, take out the beginning ones and then relabel them and put in some higher ones mid-year. But anyway, the kids had two minutes and I trained them on your mark, get set, think, and they'd flip over the paper and they'd do as many as they could in two minutes. When they got it done and mastered in two minutes, it got hung on the wall and they'd move on to their next sprint. They love it. First grade, third grade, sixth grade, they all loved it. Um, you do need to be careful. Keep an eye on your kiddos. So there might be some that are like stuck on it for a while and you just get so busy. You don't realize they've been stuck on it for that long. Um, so keep an eye on those kiddos and see when the last time was that they had one hung up. Um, another thing is you need to, if your kiddos are, um, have accommodations, um, like some of my kiddos only had to make it to a certain point on the sprint to get their tongue on the wall. Okay, they had, or they had longer time. Um, your kids who um, blow through them really fast, like sometimes you'd be like, okay, well, can you do it in one minute? But if they mastered it in two minutes, they got to move on to the next one. So this took us through addition and subtraction, multiplication, division, fractions, um, adding large numbers, adding, making a 10, making a hundred, um, just a lot of mental math. And oh my goodness, once that came up, I'm so thankful I always spent so much time on that because it made every other math task so much easier. Um, make sure you have some type of system for grading, either that the kids have a key that they can score them themselves or that you have a paraprofessional that can score them. Because the first years that I did this, I was bringing sprints home every single night and I was so sick of correcting sprints. So get yourself a system so that it doesn't become a burden on you. But I like checking them also because it was kind of nice when I check them, I can really like, I remember where the kids are and how they're doing. I also, sometimes that was something that I did while the kids did an independent activity. They knew I was grading sprints and they couldn't wait for me to be done because they wanted to know how they, how they did. And we celebrated when they got theirs hung up, we made, we did a celebration for it. So you might be like, Kim, that sounds like a really busy room because you've got kids going around the room doing like a. Uh, we call it scoot, like a scoot activity. 
with clipboards. You've got kids laying on the floor with their lap- laptops or Chromebooks or iPads, whatever you have, and dry erase boards and markers working out problems together. You've got kids setting timers and doing sprints. You've got kids at your table working. Um, you have kids at their seats working independently. And I'm telling you, it's a beautiful hum. You do have to take some practice to get that voice level at an okay level, but it's not silent. It's not silent at all, but it's it's manageable. And the kids get used to that hum in the room, not obnoxious loudness. Um, and my administrators used to walk in and go, wow, this is so cool. Like, because it was, everybody was busy, but it wasn't crazy. It was just like, I don't even want to say it was organized chaos because it wasn't chaos at all. But t- when you first look at it, it's kind of like, wow, there's kids over here doing this and there's kids doing that and kids doing this. And for somebody who's used to walking into a classroom and seeing kids all sitting in a desk and not talking and listening to the teacher or doing work on their own, that's something different to walk into. And it's going to take you some time to adjust to that as well. But a busy humming classroom is way more productive than a silent classroom. Okay. So I just dumped a whole bunch of stuff on you. You might be like, this sounds like so much work and there is some work to it, but I'm telling you the benefits outweigh it. So I'm going to be walking you through, how do you set this up? How do you teach the kids how to even start this? Do not, I repeat, do not go to your classroom tomorrow and say, okay, we're doing centers today and you're go- this group's going to go here and this group's going to go here and this group's going to go there. It is going to be a nightmare and you're going to rip your hair out and you're going to cry. You're going to go home and be so upset and you're never going to do them again. You have to introduce these one at a time. You have to teach the rules, practice the rules, build stamina, reward the kids following directions for each center. And then it'll be like, okay, does everybody think that we're ready to try this? And if the kids feel like they're ready, which is much faster, of course, as you get in the upper grades, like sixth grade, it took us way less time. But first grade took us a good solid month before we were ready to really do this on our own. And then the first day you let them loose, do not run a table. If you are worried about your schedule and you think the kids need to go to your table because that's where they're supposed to be, that's fine. Put something busy there for them to do just this once so that you can be around the room making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. Never let things go. If you start letting kids talk and talk about recess and mess around or fall asleep while they're supposed to be doing read to self or read to someone or at word work, that's going to spiral out of control and it's going to keep getting worse. You have to take care of those things right away. The kids need to know you work the entire time you follow the rules, you stay in your spot, wherever that's supposed to be, unless it's a get up and move activity. I'm going to teach you all those rules and show you. I gave you a little sneak peek on my first day of school um, podcast, my very first episode. Um, But you're going to have to do this slowly. You're going to have to release the reins slowly. And then you're going to have to be brave and let the kids run it. But you're going to have to monitor it and check in for a little while. So what does a little while mean? Well, first graders, maybe like a week. Third graders, maybe a couple days. Sixth graders, maybe a day, depending on how your class is doing and how much damage you have to repair from bad habits. That's why this is really easy to start at the beginning of the year. But please don't let that stop you. Start over. 
you may be like, but I'm going to lose a week or I'm going to lose a month. No, you're not. Your kiddos, I'm sure, need to back up and fill in gaps because if you just started with your grade level day one, unit one, day one curriculum, and you're just moving forward, those babies, they've got holes that you're not filling and they're not going to grow and they're not going to comprehend and move forward if you don't go back and address those things. So it's okay. Sometimes you have to back up or stand still a little bit in order to move forward. And this will be so worth it because you're going to maximize your learning time for the rest of the year. So let's talk about the things that you can do now while you're waiting for me to teach you all of this. Okay, so I have some homework for you. Here's what I want you to do. On my Teachers Inspiring Teachers Facebook page and on my Instagram, it's Teachers Inspiring Teachers with um, an underscore between the words. I put pictures of how I set up my... Um, I think I put a first grade classroom and I put my sixth grade classroom. I still need to post my third grade classroom that I had. Find a way to make your room work for this. You're going to need group areas. You're going to, if you don't have tables, see if your desks can make groups. You're going to need like a meeting area, like a, like a carpet. Even with sixth grade, we had the carpet in the middle of the room. That was our meeting area. And it was a space for the kids to lay down and, and work on certain things. Um, I always had a cozy corner. It was for read to self only um, for ELA and for math. I let them go there for technology um, just because the other the other jobs didn't really work so well. You couldn't do at your seat or hands on or fluency back there. So that's why technology ended up back there. Um, I say back there it was always in the back corner of my room. Um, set yourself up a place that's very inviting and comfortable where the kids like it's their favorite spot in the room. My cozy corner was always the spot. That's where you focus your your awesome seating. You have a nice carpet. You have books. You have cool lighting. And it can fit at least three or four kids. So work on setting up your flexible classroom. You might be like, I don't have anything and I don't want to spend money. Just be creative. Go to yard sales. Go online. Put out on Facebook, hey, you know, is anybody getting rid of, want to get rid of anything? Any beanbags, any yoga balls, um, stools, um, any stretchy bands for seats? Um, you're going to want shelves. You're going to want organizers. Um, you can also see how I switched to bins. So um, go to the dollar store or ask people if they have bins. Talk to your, um, What's it called? Your PTA or your PTO or whatever you have at your school. A lot of times when they find out that there's a teacher who wants to do things differently and is really looking at the best interests of the kids, they will give you money. Um, ask your administrator. There were times where I was afraid to ask and my administrator found out what I was doing and I was on donors choose and make an Amazon wish list. And he came to me, he's like, cause he was friends with me on Facebook. And he's like, um, we can get you all of this stuff. Why didn't you just ask? <laughs> so you know what? It never hurts. Just ask. So start thinking about how you can set up your classroom. It's not going to be Pinterest perfect. It's not going to be exactly what you want. Just make sure it's set up for success so you can run groups. You're going to change it and tweak it a million times and you'll find what works for you. And then you'll change grade levels in a classroom and you have to do it all over again. But it's fun. I love setting up classrooms. It's like, I I probably like that more than teaching. It's kind of sad. Okay, you need a library. If you teach primary grades, you need a classroom library. So same thing. 
anybody who's giving away books, libraries cleaning out their old books, um, people with young kids who are getting rid of them, scholastic orders, all those things. And they need to be organized and they need to be labeled. That's another time consuming thing. My mom actually had a blast helping me with this. Um, she loved looking up all the books and helping me put, helping me put stickers on them. So there's a gr really great website called um, AR Book Finder, I think. Um, so I, my schools, I was very blessed, used accelerated reader with the star testing and it gave the actual grade level. So it was either like a first grade would be like 1.0, 1.1. So it's first grade, first month, first grade, second month, all the way up. And then it changes to grade two. That was really easy for the kids to understand and to set goals for because they could actually see how far behind they were. Um, so I had stickers and each grade level had a different color. Like I had a star on there with if it's first grade, it had a blue star with a number one. I actually wrote the level on there. And then I had blue baskets for the first grade level books and red baskets for the second grade books, whatever you want. So that the kids could find their books easily. Now, if you don't have a library or if you teach like fifth or sixth grade and they're more into chapter books, then teach the kids how to look up books so that when they go to the library, they can look up a level of a book. Or um, if you have books in your classroom, they can look them up. Or you can even label the books that you have. Get familiar with your data. Take this time to look through their scores and their information and really figure out what level your kiddos are on. What is their reading level? Um, what skills are do they have deficits in? Um, math, are they behind grade level? What are they be... What are, what are the holes? Is it their um, fact fluency? Is that, is that what's keeping them from being able to do some of the larger math operations? Um, find what your kiddos need to work on. Um, find and make um, hands-on activities. So you're going to have a word work. If you do this, you're going to have like a word work or hands-on for ELA, and you're going to have a hands-on for math. So start finding activities. You don't have to pay an arm and a leg for these. You can go on Teachers Pay Teachers, type in what you want and click the free box. There's so many free downloads of cool activities that you can do. Um, so get you might actually already have some really cool stuff and you might be like, I've never used this because there's no time to do it. This is the time to do it. Um, so get some fun activities set up that the kids can do at WordWork and at hands-on math. Now, if it's something that you can just add new spelling words to. This was great for spelling and grammar. Um, and you really want to like invest in something. Um, I will be sharing some of the awesome resources that I use from other teachers on Teachers Pay Teachers um, that I was able to just put the next unit in. The kids knew the rules. They knew how the activities went. It was just new content. It was new vocabulary words, new spelling words, new math skills each week. And that makes it a little bit easier because it's not like, okay, today's activity, here's all the rules for it, the different instructions. Um, get creative and start finding things. Scour rummage sales and yard sales and beg and borrow and steal from everybody you know. Find organization materials, um, paper sorters and filers and, and different organizers that you can stick things in. Um, bins, buckets, timers, clipboards, whiteboards. Just start gathering stuff. Carpet for your classroom. Um, just be careful. Some schools, if it doesn't meet fire code, they'll throw it out on you. So <laughs> I lost a rug that way. So that's the stuff that you can work on while you're waiting to learn the rest of it. And I promise I'm going to work on getting these next podcast episodes out because I know you're going to be chomping at the bit to get this started because it's wonderful. Um, so 
Repeat after me. I will not start centers until I know what I'm doing. (laughs) Okay. Don't go try this without being fully prepared and without teaching your systems and teaching your rules and practicing as, as a class. It will blow up in your face. And then you'll be like, I'm never doing this again. And you will have missed out on a wonderful opportunity. So really think on this. Think about why it's worth it. Make yourself some lists. Work through your thoughts. Change your mindset on things. This is going to make you a leader in the classroom and not a manager. And those kids are going to be so much better for it. Not even just academically. Like they're going to have skills that are going to be so helpful to them. Even if no teacher ever does this with them again, they're going to remember this. They are going to have those skills and nobody can take those away from them. So write yourself some lists, some things you want to get, start collecting things. When people see a teacher getting really excited about something they want to do and and they know that you're really working hard to make positive change in the classroom, they're going to get behind you. There are a lot of parents who are and, and families and teachers who are fed up with education right now. And they're really like it's doom and gloom. And there's a lot of people that want to pull their kids out. They just can't um, be that light. And I think you'll find people get behind you. But here's one other thing that I want you to be ready for. I want you to be ready for the people who are going to tell you that won't work. Why are you doing this? Are you trying to make the rest of us look bad? I'm not kidding you. I had a teacher come put her finger in my face and tell me to stop making the rest of them look bad and that I was going to make them do more work. Don't let those people drag you down. Stay away from that toxic teacher culture. Do your thing. Be a light. Do what's best for those kids. And you will see amazing results. And again, friends, make sure you're on either my Facebook page or my um, Instagram. My Facebook is better because I can share a little bit easier there. I will be dropping lots of videos, ideas, resources, um, things that can help you back this up in case administration questions you. You'll have a lot of the whys behind all of this. Um, Right now, there's a big focus on guided inquiry learning over on my groups and on my Instagram. And that is amazing too. And it'll tie right in with what we're doing. Um, But there'll be a lot more um, on on those platforms coming about workshops as well. So make sure you're there and give me feedback. What else do you need from me? Um, I know there's a lot more that needs to come, but um, let me know how I can serve you. All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. That wraps up today's episode. Remember, if you love today's show, I'd love for you to give a review, give it a like and share it with someone who needs it. If you want to learn more, you can follow me on Facebook, Teachers Inspiring Teachers, and I will have more info coming soon with a amazing website and some courses that you can take. I can't wait to share it with you all. Thanks for joining me.